0: The first lesson, which is also the basis for the sermon, is from Exodus, chapter 14, verses 13 to 22. Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and see the salvation from the Lord, which he will perform for you today. For the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You must wait quietly. The Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to set out. As for you, lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea, and divide the sea, so that the Israelites can go through the middle of the sea on dry ground. I myself will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go into the sea after them, and I will gain glory through Pharaoh and his entire army, through his chariots and his charioteers. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I have gained glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his charioteers. Then the angel of God, who was going in front of the Israelite forces, moved and went behind them. The pillar of cloud moved from in front of them and stood behind them. It went between the Egyptian forces and the Israelite forces. The cloud was dark on one side, but it lit up the night on the other. Neither group approached the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all night long the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned the sea into dry land. The waters were divided. The Israelites went into the middle of the sea on dry ground. The waters were like a wall for them on their right and on their left. The word of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Before he even tried it, He read all the statistics so he knew that 85 to 90 percent of small businesses do not even survive through their second year. And he had also read that most successful business people fail three or four times before they finally get it right and succeed. He knew all that before he sank his life savings into his shop. But none of that changes the fact that now it's all gone and none of that makes it any easier to have to let all this help go. He does believe that God will provide for him still, but this is hard. She doesn't really know what to do anymore with this boy, her son. You know, he, She took him to Sunday school all those years when he was small. She sang hymns to him and prayed with him. A couple of years ago, She saw with her own two eyes, she saw him get confirmed, which means he must have learned something about God's commandments and God's love for him, but now all he does is speak hateful words and slam doors all over the house, and she knows God has a plan, but this is hard. He never had a real easy time making friends, so he always cherished the few that he had, but it's become clear they don't really see the world the same way anymore, so... Gradually, the text messages and the invitations have stopped coming in, and he spends more and more time alone. He knows he's never really alone. He believes that God is always with him, but this is hard. The night before he died on the cross, our Savior Jesus said to his disciples, in this world, you are going to have trouble. And any human being that has been alive for longer than about 15 minutes might hear Jesus say that and part of us may want to reply, well, no kidding. So what is your trouble right now? What is the biggest trouble that you are facing? Whatever it is, maybe you would agree that the trouble the Israelites were facing, pretty serious trouble too. According to the appropriately named Old Testament book of Numbers, when the Israelites escaped from their bondage in Egypt, there were a little over 600,000 adult males above the, among the Israelites. So it's a pretty conservative estimate to say that the total number of Israelites escaping from Egypt is somewhere in the 2 to 3 million range, or maybe even more than that. And all 2 to 3 million of these Israelites are in very big trouble. Moses writes, The Israelites were going out defiantly. The Egyptians pursued them, all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his charioteers and his army caught up with them where they were camping by the sea. So now these two million of the Lord's people are caught between a rock and a hard place. More specifically, they are caught between The strongest army in the ancient Near East and a sea that is deep enough to drown them all. So at this moment, the choices for these two million Israelites, their choices are stand where you are and get butchered by Pharaoh's chariots or turn, run into the sea and drown yourself. In this world, we will have trouble. Maybe the troubles we face are not quite as big as impending slaughter by chariots or drowning in the sea, but that does not mean the troubles we face are trivial. Just try saying to someone who's in the middle of closing his business or struggling with a stubborn child or suffering from loneliness, try saying, well, at least you're not getting run down by a chariot, right? At least it's not that bad. It could be worse. Well, of course, it's not that bad. And of course, it could be worse, but that doesn't mean that our troubles are nothing because when they come, they can leave us feeling pinned down. Like an Israelite by the Red Sea, we don't know where to turn next. We don't know what to do next. There is no clear path forward, at least that we can see. And what usually happens then? How do God's people usually respond when troubles come and leave them feeling trapped? Usually it's pretty predictable. Can you guess what the Israelites did when they had their backs to the Red Sea and they were facing charging chariots? As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. The Israelites were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you took us to die in the wilderness? What have you done by bringing us out of Egypt? Wasn't this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone let us serve the Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. The Israelites start complaining, but it is easy to tell that their complaints are driven by fear. The troubles come into our lives and we we feel trapped, we feel pinned down, and we start complaining, but it's not just complaining for the sake of complaining. It's complaining Because fear starts bubbling up in our hearts and in our minds. So it's worth noting that when Moses hears this complaining, the first thing he says to the Israelites is not stop complaining or quit your whining. The first thing he says to the Israelites addresses the underlying problem. Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid, stand firm. And see the salvation from the Lord, which he will perform for you today. For the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You must wait quietly. So even as the Israelites stand there, pinned down, facing Pharaoh's army with their back to the Red Sea, Moses tells them, your salvation today from the Lord is certain. All you have to do is stand with stiff legs. All you have to do is be courageous and not be afraid. All you have to do is be quiet and uncomplaining, and the Lord will save you. Your salvation is certain. Their salvation is certain because God is faithful to his word. He always keeps his promises. And God has made a promise to this nation of Israel that one day the beautiful and abundant land that is currently known as Canaan would be their own, their own promised land of Israel. The Lord is bound by his own word, he is bound by his own promise to the Israelites to save them from this trouble and take them to that promised land. So even when they are pinned down by this trouble, The Israelites can still be strong and quiet without complaining because their salvation is sure. Those words that Moses spoke to the Israelites are strikingly similar to the words that Jesus speaks to his disciples in the middle of the raging storm in today's gospel. And they are also very similar to other words that Jesus spoke to his disciples the night before he died. On that night, Jesus did say, In this world you are going to have trouble. But that is not all Jesus said to his disciples. On both ends of those words, Jesus tells his disciples, You be strong and be unafraid. You be at peace, be quiet and uncomplaining, because your salvation is certain. This is exactly how he said it. I have told you these things so that you may have peace in me. In this world you are going to have trouble, but be courageous. I have overcome the world. We know that the Lord fights for us and saves us from all trouble. Because as the Lord promised those Israelites at the Red Sea that they would have their own promised land, the land of Canaan, God has also promised us in his son Jesus that we have the kingdom of heaven. It is our own promised land from the Lord in our Savior Jesus. And the Lord is faithful to his word. He is bound to keep his promises. He was bound to get the Israelites out of that trouble of Pharaoh's army and through the Red Sea and to their promised land. Now, it took them 42 more years to get there, and there were plenty of other bumps, lots more trouble on the way to their promised land, but they did finally get there. And once they got to the promised land, that nation of Israel, for 15 more centuries, they carried another promise from the Lord, the promise of the Messiah and his saving work. Through that nation of Israel, Jesus came. He came into a world full of trouble, And in his own words, he overcame the world. Jesus came into our world and he overcame all the trouble of this world by overcoming its cause, which is sin. Sin is the root cause of all the trouble in this world. Now, we should not try to connect specific sins to specific troubles. For example, If a man's business fails, it's not necessarily because he was lazy or wasteful. If a mother is struggling with a stubborn child, it's not necessarily the product of poor or neglectful mothering. And if a a person is suffering from loneliness, it's not necessarily because they're rude or thoughtless to other people. We don't need to connect specific sins to specific troubles because a lot of times there is no connection. But we can say this, there was no trouble at all in this world. The world was perfect before sin came. There was no trouble. There were no problems before Adam and Eve wrecked this earth by taking it into sin and making it the place about which Jesus said, you are going to have trouble. Jesus came and he lived a life that was free from sin. He brought perfection back into this world with his own holiness as the Son of God. And Jesus Christ went to the cross and he paid for the sins of the whole world. He took it away. The root cause of all trouble. And just like the Israelites standing at the Red Sea, all the human race had to do as the Lord saved them was stand there and watch. Jesus did it all. Nobody else climbed up the side of Calvary and said, let me help. The salvation came from the Lord with Jesus' holy life and with his death on the cross. He overcame the sin of this world and all of the trouble that it causes. After the Lord got the Israelites out of the trouble of Pharaoh's army on the Red Sea, they still had to wade through a lot more years and a lot more troubles before they finally reached their promised land. Now we know that Jesus has overcome sin and all the trouble that it causes. We know that the promised land of heaven is ours And the Lord is bound to take us there, but, of course, we're still here. We have to wade through more years and a lot more troubles before we reach our promised land. So, what about failing businesses and impossible children and loneliness and all of the other troubles? We should know that on our journey to the promised land of heaven, God intends even those troubles to be a blessing to us. Whenever the troubles come, they detach us a little bit more from this world. They make us long for, yearn for the final promised land, the kingdom of heaven that belongs to us. They also make us more thankful. They make us more appreciative of what Jesus did to overcome the sin and the trouble of this world and give us that promised land. When troubles come on the way to our promised land, we should also remember that when God tells us to be quiet, In the middle of our troubles, he's not telling us to be silent altogether. Be quiet means don't complain, but it doesn't mean don't say anything. Our Savior Jesus invites us in the middle of our troubles to speak and to call out to him for help. The way the disciples did in that boat in the middle of the storm. Now their call for help was not perfect. They had doubt in their hearts, but they did have faith, too. They called out to the ruler of wind and wave to save them, and Jesus did. In the middle of our troubles, Jesus invites us to call out to him for help. We only need to remember to do it. St. James says very simply in his letter, You do not have because you do not ask. How many troubles am I suffering just because I have not called out to Jesus for help? When troubles come, ask him to help you. When he saves you, praise him for it. If he makes you wait for relief, remember, relief is coming no later than your arrival in the promised land of heaven. Now besides causing us to to yearn for that promised land and moving us to call out to Jesus for help, God has other good purposes for the troubles he sends. And to cover them all, it would take like a 45-week sermon series. So I'm not going to try to cover them all. But there's one other good purpose for trouble that you see very clearly in the story of the Israelites at the Red Sea. As the Israelites stood there trapped in trouble, the Lord said, I will gain glory through Pharaoh and his entire army, through his chariots and charioteers. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. And then after the story is over, after the Egyptians have been drowned in the Red Sea, and the Israelites, all two to three million of them, have crossed safely, walking on dry ground all through the night to the other side, through two walls of water, Moses adds this, Israel saw the mighty hand which the Lord put into action against the Egyptians, and the people feared the Lord and believed in the Lord and in Moses, his servant. See, the nation of Egypt that the Israelites were escaping from, the Egyptians deified things like rivers and cattle and Pharaoh, their king. They turned these things into gods. Now in the ten plagues that the Lord inflicted on Egypt before the Exodus, he was making a direct attack on many of those things that the Egyptians tried to turn into gods, to turn the Egyptians away from them. Now with what he is doing at the Red Sea, the Lord is turning the nation of Egypt toward him and his glory to see him as the one true God, the Lord of Israel. At the same time, the Israelites, who already believe in the Lord, they get to see his mighty hand working to save them. And their fear of the Lord, their faith in the Lord grows stronger. So the Lord uses this trouble to get greater glory for himself and greater fear greater faith in himself. And the Lord still uses troubles that way. You know, we can say in kind of a very generic way when we have trouble, well, God has a plan. He's going to work everything for my good. And that's all true. Those are very biblical thoughts. But when troubles come, we should also recognize them every single time as a chance to give glory to God and greater faith in God when they are handled correctly. First, to give greater glory to God. You know, it's one thing for a person to speak highly of God and thank God when their business is booming and they're rolling in money and their family is happy and harmonious and they're surrounded by friends. It's not that hard to praise God and give Him glory when life is super, but when in the middle of trouble, God's people remember that the promised land is theirs. They give him glory still. And in the middle of their trouble, they remember that Jesus has overcome the world, and they thank God still. Now, of course, we should give glory to God when our lives are great, but it's the glory that we give God in the middle of our troubles that rings louder in the courts of heaven and in the ears of the people in this world, the people who already believe in the Lord And those who do not. Trouble is a chance to give glory to God, greater glory to God. It is also a chance to grow faith as it was for the Israelites. In the middle of our trouble we turn our ears back to our Savior and hear him say, be courageous. I have overcome the world. The faith that the promised land that Jesus won for us grows stronger. The Israelites were in big trouble. But they only needed to stand firm and wait for the Lord to save them because he was bound by his own word to see them through fierce armies and raging seas to their promised land. We have trouble in this world, but we can be courageous and strong, quiet and uncomplaining, because in the promise of our Savior Jesus, God is bound to save us, to take us to our promised land. Amen.